it wouldn't have to be wood fired, but it would definitely have to be dome oven. Like the pizza is as smart as it is, doesn't really give a shit. For me, wood is always a romantic element and it does add some to it, but it's really the heat. One of the nation's most respected pizza makers opens a new space in Los Angeles, but this new shop is a collaboration with one of the nation's most respected bread bakers. Talk about a dynamic duo. What happens when Chris Bianco teams up with Chad Robertson? The story behind the manufactory, straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Belinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome to another edition of Pizza City, everybody. Great to have you along with us today. We are headed to the West Coast, to Los Angeles, uh, to a place called the Manufactory. Now, this is its one of the most impressive spaces I've seen, actually. It's in this area called Row DTLA, kind of on the edge of the Arts District in downtown Los Angeles. And it's about a 30-acre district. It's an old 1920s buildings, um, a bunch of structures that had the old L.A. terminal market, and they've now converted it into lots of cool spaces. There's some restaurants, there's some design shops, uh, clothing stores, sneakers. And the manufactory is really kind of a, this hub here for food. It's a collaboration between Elizabeth Pruitt and Chad Robertson, and they're from San Francisco's iconic Tartine Bakery. And then Chris Bianco of Phoenix's legendary pizzeria Bianco. So they've got a 40,000 square foot space. Some of the spaces here, one is Tartine Bianco. It's kind of an all day cafe. They've got a coffee manufactory and roastery. So they roast the beans downstairs and they do everything right on site. I mean, the basement is enormous. They've got the market, which has lots of different uh, products for sale, including of course, Chris's uh, tomatoes that he has, the uh, Bianco di Napoli tomatoes. Um, They've got an ice cream and walk-up window uh, with coffee pastries and things like organic buffalo milk soft serve. And then they've got the bakery, uh, which is really kind of the focal point, and then Alameda Supper Club. Now, that's for dinner only. Uh, so you're going you're gonna to hear Chris today talk about uh, Chad and Elizabeth. Then, So they're the partners from Tartine. This is really a, a collaboration between them. As, as he talks about, like, you know, playing in a band, um, as opposed to everything that was pretty much solo for him in Phoenix. And if you haven't heard of Chris Bianco, he is really kind of the godfather of artisan-style pizza, specifically an artisan uh, wood-fired pizza. Some would call it a neo-Neapolitan because it is a, a beehive brick oven with uh, wood burning inside. And he was really the first guy, and he's from New York, and he, and he moved out to Arizona. He'll tell that story today. But he was really one of the first guys to really focus on the flour and the milling and uh, being transparent about where all the products were coming from, You know, not just the things you see on top, like the, the pepperoni and the proteins, uh, but everything, the cheese, the herbs. Um, I remember having pizzas way back in the day when he was actually making all the pies we brought our kids when they were probably seven or eight 
and he's using pistachios and, and whatever he finds in Arizona, and just really an artisan sort of pizza with a sense of place. So I met up with Chris. Um, I was kind of bummed. I wanted to meet Chad Robertson, too. I've never met him, but I did meet up with Chris, which was great to see him again, um, at the manufactory in downtown L.A., and I started off by asking him, kind of just describe where we were standing. This part was really the, mostly the produce industry for most of its career. Then American Apparel made clothes here. Uh, so it's had a long story pass of manufacturing. It reminds me of those industrial buildings in Brooklyn where the Japanese market is. Yeah, and yeah. Really I mean, old, lots of big bones here. I think most American cities, when you dig into it, um, they're, they're linked by uh, yeah, the people that made decisions back then uh, were pretty connected. There's this whole area, there's like clothing, there's bicycles, there's yeah, a Rappanic the, oysters. Yeah, the whole thing is like a lifestyle brand. I guess in the middle of the city, it's it's almost uh, an urban city park in a way. But let's look at the more interesting thing over here, which is of course the pastries. This is what everybody comes right. for, tartine, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, the beautifully yeah. laminated croissant. It was incredible about this. Uh, I think point in time is what was different than when I opened up in '88, or when Chad and Liz opened up, I think in '96, was our ability to help shape product by shaping ingredients investing in organic farming, working close with farmers, looking at how milling technologies changed. So it's just not, you know, like when I was growing up, it was like, don't ask any questions. It's the best, it's the water, it's whatever. And now we can have different conversations about, which is the study of this project, which makes good things good. Providence of ingredients, transparency, where your food comes from, and then hopefully that's combined with, with great technique, ability to um, put it at proper temperature or or lack thereof. Looking behind the pastry case here, I see some of the breads from tartine, yeah, yeah, oat yeah. porridge, olive fougasse, durum slab. Yeah. Uh, but as we work our way down here, there's soups and salads, and yeah. then some of your flatbreads? Yeah, yeah, flatbreads that we do are based on Chad's porridge bread, which I love. You know, instead of doing something traditionally pizza-esque, we want to do something you can really eat vertically, you know, or almost uh, kind of go with you or sit at the bar and get a tin of of fish. And with this flatbread, you said you're using like a porridge, you begin with this? Yeah, durum. well the durum is a scalded durum, so it's kind of started the process of, of absorption and digestibility and kind of playing well with others, which is a, a team concept here. Most of our, our grains here uh, come from Karen, Spring Mill, uh, Karen Springs, which is uh, up in Mount Vernon, Washington. Chad and Liz and, and uh, Jennifer Latham, one of the bakers and head bakers in San Francisco, I've been working on a kid's bread, which is I'm fascinated about. It's kind of like the gateway drug to good bread. Like the kid's bread is like if you took Wonder Bread or Bimbo, you know, and a soft, squishy peanut butter and jelly um, ask. It's very necessary in our time. Like I've got little kids. I got married late. I have little kids, you know, and getting them to have a sandwich and, or a peanut butter and jelly. We can sucker punch them with, you know, this is delicious and it's, it's not... Too dark and scary, right. but it's made, it's made with great ingredients. It's made with great ingredients and made with great, uh, uh, you know, fermentation, digestibility, all the other things. But it's also uh, has things that would, if you didn't know those things, it would just be delicious. So this is all again, tin fish, cheeses, charcuterie, flatbreads, wine by the inch. But you can surely eat whatever you want. As you pour it into the glass, the wine. You no, you get by... a, you'll get like a 750 ml. And just stop when you're done drinking. Okay. Pretty, right. Like in Italy, it's al consumo. Like you just, when you're is, done, 
You're done. See, I'm glad you said that, like in Italy, because the sense I'm getting, this feels very European to me right now. Everything you're talking about. You know what? I think, in theory, in theory, but I think we're, and we're in a world right now that, like, I think the people that are, are seeing ways that they, like, they like to eat, are, it's, it's, it's pretty global right now. What would they, how would they like to eat? What do they need in the morning? What do they want to bring home at 5 o'clock? Let's, let's starve off traffic and just hang out at the bar for a little while and Uber back to the hotel and, or whatever, you know. By the way, you opened Pizzeria Bianco in 88 in Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I heard just the origin story quickly. You, you were there visiting, you ran out of money, and you stayed nah, there? No, there was a little bit of I mean, I said a few times I ran out of money before I got to California. And that little bit of that true being true, but, okay. but uh, I'm always, always out of money. But the fact is, I just went to a place where, uh, as much as I love New York, I know that, you know, I never really got to travel much as a kid. And I mean, I went to Italy a few times and Connecticut, and that was pretty much it. You know, New Jersey. Arizona was as far away as I could ever imagine. It was like another planet. And I figured I'd be there for, you know, six months or a year and, and find my way and go to California or something. And then, I don't know, it's a weird what happens. I mean, maybe Kawhi Leonard feels that way in Toronto. Like you go somewhere, you don't expect to stay and maybe you get a little love and you give, give some love and you're able to recognize what home feels like. And, it's sometimes it's the unexpected. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking with Chris Bianco. He's going to take us back in the kitchen and show us uh, part of yeah. this manufactory here in Los Angeles, downtown. Uh, we'll be back. And then we're also going to preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks. So stay with us. Okay, welcome back to the show, everybody. We're now back uh, here in the kitchen at uh, this, uh, Bianco Tartini with Chris Bianco. Yeah. So what is Alameda yeah. Supper Club? It's like a uh, dinner time thing yeah, only? Yeah, so this is, uh, it was kind of loosely based on um, a little place I have, Trato in Phoenix, okay. which is our little uh, trattoria that we have. You know, it's a tiny menu. Um, there's two or three pastas. Again, all freshly milled grains for us and our farmers. This one I work a little bit closer with on the menu side, and then Chad would come in and do we both dig it you know, what breads we bring in, then we'll bring our pastry team in to, to marry desserts to that. So it's a true collaboration. That's what I learned in my old age. Like, I don't want to do more heavy lifting. I want to play in a band, you know? <laughs> and are you, are you doing any pizza here with your signature on it? Uh, like, because there's no beehive brick oven Yeah, here. there's not. We just do our flatbreads here, and we do some other stuff that are more signatures from my other restaurant. But it's just in the, in the project itself, I, I just felt that you really had to dedicate something like what made our places i think special is we dedicated a space to that i think i didn't want it to lose focus or like you know send a pizza to the other side of the room you know just it was i wanted to, i wanted things to be focused and be able to do what we do i think you know we're still talking somewhere in the in the complex i might drop a little pizza bianco in one more my last one maybe somewhere uh, within this loose. entire complex yeah. maybe okay maybe um you maybe. know uh but I've been looking at that, you know, as, as far as, and I'm, it's never that I'm anti anything. It's like, I'm just pro-optimum. Would that pizzeria have to be wood-fired, or would you happy with what you're doing here with the gas? Uh, it, it wouldn't have to be wood-fired, but it would definitely have to be dome oven. However, the, you know, whether it uh, was it's gas-fired, which are some amazing ones now, or even electric domes, but the way the heat throws and cooking times and things like that, for me, that would have some type of uh, dome. Like the pizza is as smart as it is, 
doesn't really give a shit, you know. For me, wood is always a romantic element, and it does add some to it, but it's really the heat that makes it happen, the consistency that does it. Having, having collaborated in this band, as you said, yeah. with Chad and Elizabeth, yeah. you, I'm guessing you've learned a lot about bread baking, about gluten, about formation, about fermentation, because uh, Chad's <laughs> basically like Moses of that. Yeah, he's, uh, the reason that I did this is because, well, he's a dear old friend, but I, you know, I think if you're gonna be in a band, you wanna play with this, you know, you pick the instrument, you know, and you make that, you know, bread, um, and Chad will be, for me, at the top of that game, globally. How'd you guys meet? Um, you know what, I met him, uh, there was a, a mutual friend we had, when he just came back from France, I'm in Liz, they were actually living with this oven builder named Alan Scott. I was going up to see his ovens. Um, he built some ovens for uh, a Fatteria, a Fatteria bakery there, and, um, and ultimately for Chad's then, soon to be new bakery, Tartine, the first one in Point Reyes. And, you know, I mean, after five minutes, you meet Chad, and he just had everything about him and Liz, too. It was legit, and it was real, and their intention was real. When they opened up in Point Reyes, it was also at that time of Cowgirl was there, Cowgirl Creamery. There was something happening, and, and I think it was really important, even though they ended up back in the city, it was at a place that was pretty magical. He held things that were important to me as a, as a human being, as a man first and then a baker. Like if you're, if you're an asshole, I don't give a shit how good your bread is. You know, like it doesn't matter. But you know, Chad was, is better than his bread. I understand, you know, you have to work, millers have to work with bakers, but they're two very distinctive skill sets, aren't they? I mean, the, not or, really. or no? Okay. Not really, because you're both, I think at the end of the day, you're both reading the, the opportunity. I think bakers adapt on the fly. You're looking at things like whether it's weather or whether it's uh, you got buried last night and you're gonna have to push something fermentation-wise. You won't be able to give it the long, slow, cool bulk ferment. You have to push it. So you have to know when and how and how much or hydration levels and things like that. And the same thing, the miller's looking to like your relationship. Like that's, that's what's changed now. You know, 30 years ago, we didn't have the relationship with the miller and the farmer. Like now we all converse so we can, like, can get the farmers to invest grain varietal. This has got to be a dream for someone though like who loves to bake because you're able to use whatever you want from wherever you want and it, have this large quantity, right? It is the complete antithesis of how Chad and I started. That's right, because you guys started so you know, small. But there's something in all of it, I think, like, so one day you wake up and say, dude, if we just had a bigger pot, right. we could make a great bowl of soup. You know, if we can learn, understand math, you know, and we could calculate, and we could get a bigger bowl, and we get more people to do that, we could feed more people. And that's what this was about, was David really needs to work with Goliath. Yeah. Wall Street probably would, you know, maybe repurpose instead of burnt down, like using smart people, you know, and maybe their intentions change slightly. Um, nothing against Wall Street, all for it, but, or whatever. I mean, so I'm a big business where, you know, you, we've been managing a lot from the, from the top floor, and I think we need to get on the ground, and both Chad and I and Liz, you know, we worked our whole lives on the ground. Like, I love little jewel boxes restaurants, little mom and pops. I have them, I love them. They're soulful, and they're, they're you know, they're the backbone of everything that's, that's good in our world.
But we need both things. We need to eat well in airports. We need to eat well in big cities when we're hungry. We need to learn ways to, um, you know, to uh, look at the agricultural uh, community or, the, or farming in general and find out better ways we, we can work with them to grow better things. So we can look at the, the price of food, you know, the cost of ingredients, and how can we work together to affect that? How can we look at, you know, uh, if we raise our prices 25 cents, you know, uh, fireworks go off sometimes. But our prices, on, on, you know, on the, on the food service side, get hammered constantly with an unbelievable taxation and, and you know, and uh, labor profile, all, you know, insurance and things that are just so out of whack. Over time now, we've had to now adapt to converse about what's the solution, if any. Can any of these things survive? So what is your role here now? Are you mentor? Are you teacher? Are you not on the line, little, obviously? Yeah, I, still, I still jump on the line a little bit. I mean, I, I mean, I need it more than needs me. Like even back in Phoenix, I still get on the line or pull a pizza shift or two. Or I, I, I enjoy it, but I think it's kind of like when you see the guy with the beer belly on third base, third base coach. Well, he might have bat 400 for 25 years, but, you know, there's a time that you got to, you know, get the microphone on, 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 the, on the mezzanine. That's a great sports you know, analogy. I love that. You know, you the just third base coach. You know, you yeah. just gotta say that. I remember that guy, man, George Brett. He doesn't look like, you know, whatever. You pick the Ryan Sandberg. You know, what role do you play? Like, how do you affect the game? Well, I mean, advisor and. Well, I think yes, but I think you have to have a willing audience. So if you have to create this world that you want to live in. Okay. Last question, Chris. Yeah. I ask all the people on the, the show the same thing. Yeah. Knowing what you know now, yeah. uh, you've been doing this for you said over thirty years. Come on, let's do it. What? What advice would you give your younger self before you got into this game, before you got, maybe before you tackled this project with Chad, what advice would you give your younger self knowing what you know now about everything you've been going through here? Uh, Whether it's pizza related, bread related, or just business related. My suspicions were right in that way. And I wish in case some ways I trusted more of my instincts where uh, we get away at nothing, which I always felt. The truth will definitely set you free in that way. I think if I could have asked more questions when I was younger, it could have been a, uh, um, slightly less, less turbulence, you know, in the ride to, uh, uh, to wherever we landed, or, or still in flight, I guess. But um, I think ask more questions and find out um, what's important to you most. That's still one of the things by accident I think I did get kind of right, is I, I lived in a place I wanted to be. Like I had, I remember having a really great opportunity to go to Portland, one, you know, years ago before I was in Phoenix, and and it could have been great, but you know, for me, I felt a little bit more home, and even in the deprivation of, of of cold air in summer, there was something about uh, um, Arizona at that time, and and still to this day, that makes me feel welcome. So I think. Recognize, young people, what is important to you, what you like, what feels good to you, and serve that master, you know, and uh, that's what I got for you. Great advice. Chris Bianco, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Congratulations on this incredible project. Thank you, brother. Always good. Always good to hear from you. Cheers. And a big thanks again to Chris and Carol Chin for helping uh, organize that visit. It was just really great to, to see what they're doing out there. And, you know, the easy thing about getting there, I mean, it is a little bit off the beaten path, but when I was staying in L.A., I took the subway, because I'm very Chicago that way. I took the subway to downtown and then jumped on an Uber electric bike 
and you know for a couple of bucks you jump on this bike and as you start pedaling it um, gives you an electric assist you're going about 30 miles an hour and I cruised over to the row DTLA in about 10 minutes super easy just a lot of fun to, to explore this area and I did some shopping there as well some really cool uh, boutique stores there in that um, in that center okay so coming up in two weeks a pizzaiolo grows in barbecue country and people ask me where'd you learn and I always tell them I learned here you know after we opened I mean you know I spent a little time in Naples and obviously did the home stuff and whatever but until you're on the oven every night night after night with a stack of tickets I mean that's that's kind of how you learn I'll talk with Stephen Dilly, the owner of Bufalina in Austin, about how he truly learned how to make pizza after he opened his business. That's in two weeks on September 27th. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, and please review us if you have a moment. We're at Pizza City USA on Instagram, but on Twitter it's at Pizza City Tours. And speaking of tours, take one the next time you're in Chicago. We just got listed in the Chicago Magazine Best of Issue in September, so super proud of that as one of the best tours in the city. More information about those and how to get my book at pizzacityusa.com or just yell at me on social media at Steve Delinsky. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song, and next time you're in Chicago, check out Revival Food Hall in the Loop, where Dante's Pizza launches on September 16th, next Monday, with its New York-style slices for the next three months. Thanks for listening, everybody, and here's wishing you nothing but optimal bite ratio, always. <laughs>